assassins. The whole damn planet wanted a piece of me. This man sees in the dark. Watch out for surprise attacks. Time's up. Riddick, you go in the next five seconds. Rated R in theaters and IMAX. Hello, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi, the weekly geeky podcast about Star Trek, Star Wars, fantasy, science fiction, and whatever else we can slip in. This uh, podcast is going out on September the 15th, 2013. It is podcast, what is this, 454, I think? Yeah, does that sound right? (laughs) And uh, I just, uh, yeah, it's 454. I want to thank uh, Mark for doing that uh, cool show last week from uh, on the uh, classic film It Came From Outer Space. Those are always fun to listen to. Thanks again, Mark, for that. Um, today we're going to do uh, uh, what I always like to call a classic style uh, Treks and Sci-Fi show. going to look at an original series TOS episode called The Cloud Minders. Uh, this episode uh, is sort of timely in, in covering this because I think there's a lot of similarities uh, in this episode to the recent movie Elysium, and I'll talk a little bit about that later on on the podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit about the Blu-ray slash DVD release of Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, quite a few other topics to get caught up on. It's been a couple of weeks since I was here. Uh, the last show I did was that live uh, live show, So in, and during the live show, you know, we covered the summer movies and stuff so we've it's been a while since i've done kind of what i would call a regular normal uh show for treks and sci-fi anyway uh without any further ado uh let's do this i'm captain kirk ladies and gentlemen may i present the winners of the 74th annual hunger games we are the men in black I'm the doctor, by the way. What's your name? Rose. Nice to meet you, Rose. Run for your life. My name is Optimus Prime. I am the Putus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Straight flows from the force, but beware of the dark side. Oh. 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 Man, that's kind of catchy. It's got a nice ring to it. I mean, it's not technically accurate. It's a gold thing. Lord, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. This is a uh, reach call. You're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. All right, I am back. Uh, again, this is Rico. You're listening to Treks and Sci-Fi. Just a couple of bits of business to cover at the start of today's show. First, uh, as some people have already donated, I, this month of September is when the annual hosting fees for the podcast, for the website, the forums, and all of that uh, it becomes um, 
you know, due for uh, the year. So anyway, uh, with that in mind, uh, I've, I've been putting out the call for donations via PayPal. There are links on the main website for donations. I, I'll try to slip one in the podcast notes again this week. Facebook page has got a thread there. So anyway, uh, you know, whatever you guys can donate uh, to support the show. If it's, you're someone that listens every week, you know, you're getting, uh, you know, 52, uh, 52 episodes of, uh, you know, entertainment uh, for a year. So that that's a pretty good deal. You know, whatever you can send in uh, is very appreciated. And again, a big thanks out to those that have already sent in donations. Uh, very much appreciated. I, I, I try to email and respond back to people uh, when they when they send the donations in. But if I haven't, um, trust me, your uh, donation was definitely appreciated. So that uh, that's out of the way. Also, if you're fairly new and you don't know how to contact the show, uh, treksf at gmail.com is always the way to do that. Uh, for those that would like to join the forum, shoot me an email to join the forum over at treksandsci-fi.com because the automated... Uh, uh, joining the forum member thingy, whatever on the forum is turned off because, uh, oh, it's been turned off for a long time. A while back, we we got a lot of bots and spammers and things like that that would get joined in. I tried to figure out other ways to do it without turning completely off, but the simple way was just shoot me an email, tell me the username that you want, and you can sign up uh, and join the forum. Also, we have a Facebook group uh, over at uh, facebook.com/slash Treks and Sci-Fi where we've got a lot of uh, fun topics and just inter- interesting discussion. There seems to be a, uh, there are definitely people that participate both on the forum and on the Facebook page, but it's, I'd say we've got sort of one group uh, more, you know, on the forum and one group on the Facebook. I mean, I'd, I'd really love to see some of the people that are on Facebook only uh, join us over on the forum and vice versa. If you're maybe somebody who's just on the forum, join our Facebook group if you're not uh, a member there. Or, or if you're not really participating, you know, hey, dive in, have some fun. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see what's been going on for me in the last couple of weeks. Let the uh, I opened up the show with a TV spot to the movie Riddick that I saw just a week ago. Seems like it was much longer. <laughs> Seems like it was more than a week ago. Sometimes I don't know what it is about time. It, it, some weeks seem to be longer, and, and seems like. There's been a lot that's happened in the in the in interim, or or others go by really fast. But anyway, went to see Riddick last weekend. I I thought this was a really good movie, a really solid, fun, old school hard R kind of violent, uh, alienish, you know, aliens like inspired uh, film with uh, j- just you know some fun stuff in it. I, I I know some of the reviews and stuff, some of the quote-unquote professional film critic reviews maybe I've heard a few little things that haven't been that great uh, but I don't I haven't really read a lot I've mostly been told that from other people uh, you know it's been rated kind of fairly average and I you know I would I for me the I like these kinds of movies so that helps Katie Sackhoff was in it or is in it and that helps a lot for me <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, but in any case, you know, this is Vin Diesel, his third movie as Riddick. And, uh, you know, it's just called Riddick. And, and, and I think they, they bring it back a lot like the, the first film, Pitch Black. He's kind of, I'm not going to give too much away uh, or any real spoilers. You can see this from the preview. He's kind of on this planet, stuck on this planet. And um, these bounty hunters show up. Katie Sackhoff is one of them. Again, this is all pretty much obvious in the previews. And uh, they're they're out, uh, they're after him. He's got a bounty on his head, and uh, there's other things on the planet that are that are bad news and trying to kill them all too. So it um, 
it, it becomes uh, you know a, a pretty much a survival movie to a degree and I, I think they they did a good job I, I enjoyed it and uh, I would uh, you know if you've seen the previews if this is the kind of thing that you go for you know go check it out at the movies we saw it in a regular theater I think you can see this in uh, in 3d I, yeah I'm pretty sure it's out in 3d and it, it's an IMAX too and things like that so check out Riddick when you get a chance all right, moving over to uh, some Star Trek news discussion, and, and that I'm going to give you a little bit of um, a little bit of a heads up and a preview related to Trek and, and a few other topics. Uh, I I got together actually with uh, the Anomaly ladies, uh, Angela and Jen last night on Skype, and we recorded a podcast that's going to go out in two weeks. It was a uh, the can you know we worked out a time that we could all get together, and this this is when it ended up being, but. The reason I bring that up is we, we talked quite a bit about uh, Star Trek and, and the recent Star Trek movie, too, along with other things. And it was kind of an overall fandom uh, topic and, and that. But uh, it, it was a great conversation, and I'm I really going to uh, looking forward to what you guys think of it. And I'll put it out on that, like I said, in two weeks. But this week, and uh, the one of the reasons I brought that up was the movie of Star Trek Into Darkness, or the the home video release on Blu-ray and DVD showed up, uh, and uh, there's a little controversy. There, there's multiple controversies about this movie. Uh, you know, it, it definitely had some people that really, really liked it, some people that really, really didn't like it, and, and, and if some people in between. But this home video release of it has created a little bit of a stir, too. For I, I, for myself, I, I, I don't really like the way Paramount, you know, did this. They, they really... This is the biggest time that, that I've ever seen them have a um, have a multiple release in multiple stores, multiple retail outlets where they have a lot of different bonus features for the film. In uh, you know, if you go to buy it at Walmart or Target or Best Buy or Amazon, you get a different kind of version of the extras. The, you know, it's the same film basically, but the extras are different, and, and I'm kind of disappointed in that. I you know, I bought the deluxe. Collector's Edition kit thing from Amazon with the phaser replica, which is a real nice little prop replica off of Amazon. But for the price and for that, I you know I would have considered that to be the deluxe version that you sh- we should have gotten all, everything in it, multiple discs and all. And, and you know it looks very much like a money thing from Am- or from Amazon from Paramount to try to get people to buy multiple editions for seeing multiple versions of the extras. And we all know very well that. In a year, two years, three years, or maybe just before the next film comes out in the series, they're going to put all these things all together probably, and, and it put them all out there uh, on a, on a, some massive deluxe package. You know, they've done this with Lord of the Rings. They do this with video games. You know, exclusive content to different areas, but they really divided this up. You know, video games, for example, it might just be one or two different versions. There's like a half a dozen different ones, especially if, if you throw into some of the worldwide editions of it. Other disappointing thing is there's not really a lot of uh, deleted. There are, as far as I know, I don't think I don't think there are any deleted scenes things on, on any of these discs. It's behind the scenes uh, stuff about the making of the movie are are the extras. So there's even other stuff that they could have put into the um, the extras that we don't even get on top of the fact that they're spreading them out. So kind of disappointed in that. I you know I still picked it up. Uh, I, I actually watched it a couple of nights ago. Uh, for, let's see, I saw it three times in the theater, so this was my fourth time, and I still uh, really enjoy the movie. I, I, have, I think it's a good movie. I think it's a, a good Trek movie. 
Is it the best of them? Maybe not. Uh, definitely not, I don't think, for me at least. Is it the worst of them? No, it's not the worst of them. So, But I think it's an enjoyable film, and I, I think that uh, this is right now the kind of Star Trek we're getting, so I'm enjoying it. Would I hope it would be a little different for the third one? Oh, yeah, definitely. I hope they can come up with something a little more unique and original and exciting and fun and, and all of that. So, and it looks like J.J. Abrams is definitely not going to be directing. I don't think there's any surprise there that he won't be directing the, the last uh, or the next. I shouldn't say the last. Well, it might be the last with this group. Who knows? But he's not going to be back directing the third Trek movie, which is probably we're still looking at. And I think it's going to it may not be this way. And it may maybe end up in 2015. But I wouldn't be surprised if we have a three year wait and we don't get another one until 2016. I, you know, there's been different reports that we might get it sooner. We might get it later. I, I don't know. I, I just it took so long to get this this one out. I in I, I, 2015 right now is turning into just this massive year for for movies that I, I think Star Trek would be better served. Even if it came out in 2015, it might be better if it came out like like over the holiday time, you know, at the end of the year instead of the summer. So, But we'll keep an eye on that and see how that goes. Uh, but it's a good movie. I think it's fun, and, and I hope people can kind of uh, appreciate it for what it is. That's the way I always try to approach it uh, and, and not, uh, you know, you can nitpick anything, you pick anything apart, and, and if, if that spoils things for you, I think you're never going to really be satisfied to, to any degree because there's always going to be things and faults and problems. I guess it depends on how much of those overweigh the movie and, 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 and bother you to the point that you can't enjoy it. So, uh, so anyway, I'm going to take a short little break here. I'll come back with a little bit more Trek news, and then we'll be talking about, and I'm just going to play clips this time out. Uh, we'll be getting into the uh, TOS episode, The Cloud Miner. So I'll be right back. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. Anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of Anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your Anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by Jewelbeat.com 
All right, I'm back. Uh, a little bit more about uh, Trek here. There, there's a really cool new book out. Uh, there's a guy named Juan Ortiz. Uh, that's uh, J-U-A-N Juan Ortiz, O-R-T-I-Z, who's been doing these um, kind of retro posters for the individual episodes of Star Trek uh, from TOS, I should say, from the original series. The idea was he wanted to create posters that, to to think or to showcase the original series like if each episode had been a movie uh and uh, they're very uh stylized and retro and they're kind of they're really cool looking and uh, and i think they really in a in a unique way capture the you know individual episodes and uh, what i wanted to mention about this is that you know he's been releasing these posters you can find them online i think there were some at star trek.com and other places uh, but there's a new art book, a hardcover art book uh, that I just found out about actually this morning. It just came out recently in hardcover. What they did is they collected this into sort of a coffee table book, all these posters. Uh, it's called Star Trek colon The Art of Juan Ortiz. It's a hardcover book. It's on Amazon. Uh, I'm looking right at the listing right now. It's only like $25, which is an amazing, great deal to me for for getting all of these uh, posters for all the different you know di different individual episodes including one i think for the cage as well from the original series uh, and uh fantastic value i think for 25 dollars so if you're a tos fan you like cool art uh and you want to see all these posters in, you know in one place rather than trying to figure out a place to hang up 80 posters uh, all over your walls uh, you know definitely pick this up and grab it uh, i'm going to click and order it uh, right after i'm finished recording here uh, but uh, it, it just looks really cool, really cool item. Uh, another item related to TOS that I wanted to point everyone out to that I've been reading that I got a, uh, uh, a copy of. I think I talked a little bit about this at the very end of the live podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but uh, there's a book out called These Are the Voyages, uh, season, uh, These Are the Voyages, TOS Season 1. It's by a guy named Mark Cushman. And this is also available on Amazon. It's hardcover. It's a little expensive, I think, but I, I think it's very well worth it if you are a TOS fan. I've been going through some of the episodes. This just covers season one, but there are multiple pages behind the scenes info uh, per episode and a lot of stuff about the start of the series in this first volume. And again, these are the voyages by Mark Cushman and uh, actually Susan Osborne, too. I worked on this book and the plan is is he's going to do one this is for season one he's going to do one for seasons two and three as well but if you really like the behind the scenes stuff you know things like budgets and production schedules and studio notes and memos from roddenberry and all kinds of goodies like that uh and, and script uh, you know how scripts changed as, as the episodes were done this is the book for you so uh, here's a couple of uh, cool collectibles besides the fact if you want to go out and buy you know 12 copies of star trek into darkness <laughs> you can uh you can do that too so it's uh you know there's uh lots of cool collectibles lots of neat stuff out there to buy uh, always uh, in in star trek uh, you know realm uh there's you know the the on the other geeky topics other news uh, there's a lot of television that's going to be starting here in a couple of weeks We've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is probably the biggie that everyone, I think, is really looking forward to uh, that's coming out in, in, well, not this coming week, but the week after this. And then the return of Arrow in, uh, in October looks good. Uh, Summer Glau is going to be in that series. Uh, you know, some cool TV uh, coming 
the Tomorrow People was another show, and and I think I again mentioned some of this on the live show a couple of weeks back. But uh, lots lots of neat stuff to see, lots of fun uh, things to uh, to watch, to read, collectibles to get, uh, and uh, and as a semi announcement, I've, I've I think I briefly have mentioned this a little bit. It's looking really, really positive, really, really likely. Uh, I always try to leave a little r- wiggle room, f- you know, if something were to come up. But I am going to be at uh, the Austin, Texas Comic Con that happens at the end of November, near the end of November this year, in, in just a couple of months. Uh, both Jen and Angela from Anomaly, and I think a couple of others maybe from their show, are going to be there. And I almost went last year. I was really close to doing it and didn't due to some other work commitments and stuff. So this year it looks like I'm going to be able to swing it. I'm putting some plans together, you know, flights and, and things. And and the fun thing is, is I think we're all going to dress up in, in Starfleet, you know, Star Trek uniforms for at least one of the days. So that should be fun. So if you are in the Texas area uh, at all or can get your way over there. Uh, I think it's it's the weekend before Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving in the U.S. is very late this year, uh, but it's the weekend just before uh, Thanksgiving, uh, and uh, which is like the 21st or 22nd or something like that. It's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday con. Uh, I'm going to try to be there. I'm going to try to be there a little bit of all those days. Sunday uh, it might be a little short. I might have to fly out Sunday afternoon, evening. But uh, but anyway, so that's that's my plan, and that's what's coming up uh, for me in a couple of months' time. Really looking forward to it, getting excited and uh, trying to put together a, a a costume and 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 get everything in place. So I, I uh, if Jen and Angela are listening, I <laughs> I, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, uh, one one thing I might try to do is is ship you guys a little uh, box, a little package ahead of time uh, of of items for my costume and and rather than to try to pack it all and carry it or not carry it probably have to check it on the plane it might be easier to just ship that down in a box ahead of time so we might arrange something but that's you guys listening to the podcast you love hearing about that stuff right okay i think that's enough news enough other little talk let's get into the trek episode uh which uh, again is called the cloud miners it's from season three I'm going to play the preview trailer for you right now, and then I will come back and give you some background a little bit about this pretty cool third season episode. I think it's got some interesting things to say, uh, and and it's a a neat story. And, uh, well, here we go with the trailer uh, to the preview trailer to The Cloud Miners. Stratos, Captain. City actually floating in the sky. There's a dangerous gas in the mines. This mask will prevent any further damage. Speak! I command you. I would advise you to increase your knowledge. You only take a mate once every seven years. And is there nothing that can disturb that cycle? Dig as the trog lights do. As the trog lights do. that mask I haven't... With your bare hands, Captain. You still refuse to disclose the names of the other disruptors. Very well, if you prefer the rays. Enterprise, help! They'll kill each other! Help us! Help us! 
All right, this episode of TOS from Season 3 was the 19th episode of that season, uh, The Cloud Minders, not The Cloud Miners, which I always got that confused for the longest time, you know, it was like The Cloud Miners, because there's miners in this episode, but I think it's a little play on word because of the people in, in, that live up on Stratos in the clouds. Uh, use their minds and and things, and they live in the clouds. So anyway, the cloud minders, it is, uh, again, it uh, is in season three. It uh, first aired way back on February 28th, 1969, in the last uh, gasp and, and time of, of TOS on, on television. It uh, the, the original story was by David Gerald and Oliver Crawford, teleplay by Margaret Armin, and directed by a guy named Judd Taylor. Now, this story is is really a story about uh, you know the haves and the have-nots, which is very much like the recent uh, movie Elysium that I saw this uh, about a month or so ago, uh, in August. And uh, the uh, I'm going to read. Th- this is I think worthwhile reading. This is, uh, it was based on a story submitted by David Gerald called Castles in the Sky. According to Gerald in the world of Star Trek, this is what David Gerald had to say, and I'm just going to read this uh, off of uh, the internet, which is, it's over at the uh, entry on Memory Alpha. And this is what David Gerald has to say about this episode. It was intended as a parable between the haves and the have-nots, the haves being the elite who are removed from the realities of everyday life. They live in their floating sky cities. The have-nots were called mannies, and and this is some of his original ideas, for manual laborers, and were forced to live on the surface of the planet where the air was denser, pressure was high, and noxious gases made the conditions very unlivable. The mannies were torn between two leaders, one a militant, kind of a Martin Luther King type of, uh, sorry, one was a militant leader and one was more of a Martin Luther King type figure. In my original version of the story, Kirk, Spock, and McCoy and Uhura were captured by the Mannies when their shuttlecraft was shot down by a missile. The The Enterprise needed some dilithium crystals. This planet was one of the Federation's biggest suppliers and Kirk's concern was to restore the flow of crystals. He didn't care who worked the mines, just that the supply was not interrupted. The shuttlecraft was necessary because I felt the crystals might be too dense for the transporter and cause some problems. In the process of the story, Kirk realizes that unless the living conditions for the Manis are improved, the situation never can be stable. Because Uhura has been injured in the shuttlecraft crash, McCoy starts treating her in a Manny hospital, uh, but he is so appalled at the condition of the other patients there, especially the children suffering from high-pressure disease, that he begins treating them as well. Meanwhile, Kirk and Spock convince their comp- captors to let them go up to the Sky City and try to negotiate a settlement to the local crisis. The story focused primarily on the lack of communication between the Skymen and the Mannies. Kirk's resolution of the problem was to force the two sides into a negotiation. He opened up channels of communication with a phaser in his hands. He says that, he basically says, you sit there, you sit there, now talk. And that's all he does. He doesn't really solve the problem himself. He merely provides the tools whereby the combatants can seek their own solutions, a far more moral procedure. In the end, the Enterprise breaks orbit. Kirk remarks on this as if uh, inaugurating the problem-solving procedure in the same problem-solving fashion, he pats himself on the back and says, we got them talking. It's just a matter of time until they find the right direction. And McCoy, who is standing right next to him, looks at him and says, Yes, but how many children will die in the meantime? And, and it was it, it was meant to left Kirk feeling a little uneasy. 
but uh, you know the the version that we're going to talk more about here that was actually filmed and and uh, done for the episode itself the problem was really caused by the xenite gas in the mines and if they can wear these uh, these masks they'll all be happy little uh you know people and 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 pick all the uh, xenite that we need or, or whatever so uh i think that's i'll give you a little bit more detail and background as we go through the episode but uh I'm going to play another clip from the beginning of uh, the Cloud Miners. Captain's log, stardate 5818.4. A botanical plague is devastating a planet in the quadrant of the galaxy where the Enterprise is operating at present. It threatens to destroy the vegetation on the entire planet, leaving it uninhabitable. The Federation orders were proceeding at top warp speed to the planet. Ardana, where the only known source of xenite exists, is the one substance that can halt the plague. Captain, the High Advisor of Ardana is ready to receive you on Stratus, sir. On Stratus? That's their cloud city, isn't it, Mr. Smart? It is, Captain. Well, there must be some mistake. Do you, do you have the coordinates to uh, the mine entrance available? They've already been provided to the transport officer, Captain, along with those of the council chamber of the High Advisor. Kirk to transporter room. Ready to transport, Captain. Uh, Mr. Scott, are you locked in on the mine entrance or on their cloud city, Stratus? The mine entrance. That's what you ordered, Captain. Fine. Ora, uh, tell the high advisor that uh, we request to dispense with the welcoming ceremonies due to the emergency that we're beaming directly down to the mine entrance in order to ensure the fastest possible delivery of the Zenite. The need is urgent. Aye, sir. Mr. Spock, come with me. Oh, and tell them that we appreciate the honor and that we look forward to some visit in the future. I see. So yeah, there's this uh, problem on uh, another planet. They they need the Xenite to, to solve this, you know, thing that's killing their vegetation on this other world. So that, you know, this is one of these times where the Enterprise, and this happened, I think, a fair amount in season three where they're on a mission to, you know, solve a problem. Uh, and, and they go down to this, uh, they, you know, go down to the planet after the Xenite and it's not there. There ends up being a, uh, a fight between Kirk and Spock and, and, the, and these troglodytes that live there. And they they eventually run off and Plasis, this guy from the, the Cloud City, he uh, beams down with a couple of guards, and they, they scare him off. And I, I think that leads into the next clip that I've got for you. This is just after the uh, after the fight, and I think this is between Spock and, and Kirk and Plasis. Are you harmed, gentlemen? No, I'm just a little shaken up. I'm Plasis, high advisor of the Planet Council. Captain Kirk, Enterprise, my first officer, Mr. Spock. Greetings, Mr. Advisor. My regrets for the unpleasantness of your welcome to Ardana was rather warm. Unfortunately, violence is habitual with the troglites. But I assure you, this insult will not go unpunished. Well, I'm more concerned with the Xenite consignment. Why wasn't it in its specified location? Apparently, the disruptors have confiscated it just as I knew they would. The disruptors? Who are they? A small group of troglite malcontents. All the other troglites are completely dominated by them. It's the disruptors who are responsible for their refusal to continue mining for Xenite. They agreed to the delivery. Your council assured us of it. They agreed, obviously, as a ruse to get valuable hostages. Hostages? For what purpose? 
to force the council to meet their demands. Organize a search party immediately and find the Zenite consignment. Meanwhile, Captain, I would suggest that you and First Officer Spock be our guests on Stratus. Very well. I do hope the search will be brief, Mr. Advisor. We'll do everything possible to make it so. Come, gentlemen. Yeah, the guy in this episode I think is really good, the bad, kind of the bad guy, I guess you can call him, the leader of uh, the Cloud City, uh, Plasis. He's played by a character actor that did a lot of work on television back in the day. Uh, his name is Jeff Corey. The other uh, guests in this episode, Diana Ewing is Droxine. Uh, and the other probably biggie for this one is uh, Charlene Polite. Uh, she plays Vana who's the leader uh, of the troglodytes and she you know she's kind of this tough leader type uh that uh i think kirk and her kind of could you know kirk was a, a little bit to liking her in this episode although nothing really ever happens there's also sort of a little attraction for somehow for some reason between droxine and spock which i i, I always kind of found that a little bit odd in this episode about that i i, I thought that that was a little too easy uh you know uh, and it just, it, it didn't never, that part never really worked very well for me. But, uh, and I think that will lead into uh, our next clip. And this is, I think, where uh, Plasis introduces uh, his daughter, Droxine, the lovely Droxine, to uh, both Kirk and Spock. Sentinel told me of our honored guests, my father. I came to extend greetings. A most gracious act. Gentlemen, one of our planet's most incomparable works of art. My daughter, Droxine, Captain James Kirk. Pleasure, madam. Indeed, yes, Captain. And First Officer Spock. I have never before met a Vulcan, sir. Nor I a work of art, madam. Come, gentlemen, there is much to see in our city. This is our council gallery. It is open to all city dwellers. We have some of the finest of our various art forms assembled here for the viewing and contemplation of every... Disruptors again. How dreadful. They're despoiling the whole city. Despoil? For what purpose? By keeping us in constant turmoil. They hope to force the council to accede to their demands. What are the demands? Completely unreasonable, Captain. But nothing you need be concerned with. I must concern myself with it if it should interfere with the delivery of Xenite to Merrick too. Mr. Advisor, the plant life is the source of oxygen on that planet. Obviously, if all plant life is destroyed, the humanoid life will follow. I assure you, gentlemen, you will get what you came for. I hope so. Ardana is a member of the Federation, and it is your council's responsibility that nothing interferes with its obligation to another member of the Federation. Of course, and we accept the responsibility. But why do they destroy art forms? That is a loss to everyone. Art means nothing to the disruptors. This is the only form they understand. Yeah, so the uh, you know they all meet. They're back up on Cloud City. Everything's all safe. So they uh, they go and uh, they're they're invited to kind of rest up. Yeah, Spock and Kirk after the ordeal on the planet. I, I keep also calling uh, the troglites troglodytes uh, from from the time machine from that H.G. Wells. The, the troglodytes, you know, that were the, the miners, these these weird, gruesome-looking creatures that lived in the mines there, you know. And they had the Eloy up on the surface and the troglodytes down below. 
they're just troglites on on this episode of the cloud miners one interesting thing that i've just been re- reading while i was playing some of these clips is that manny Cotto, who of course worked on the enterprise star trek enterprise series near the end the last couple of seasons he had mentioned that uh, they had a plan to do a a prequel episode. It basically, you know, Enterprise was set before the original series, and their their plan or the idea was that they were going to do an, an episode where they were going to visit Stratos uh, in uh, in Enterprise, uh, sort of as a prequel thing. They were going to visit that planet and and the, the Cloud City and everything, which would have been neat. Uh, the uh, this episode again, I, I when I saw Elysium and, and this story is not really, I don't think a, a completely original or anything new in in science fiction or in fiction in general. You know, the the movie way back in the in the late twenties, Metropolis, I think had this, this sort of similar idea here, where you know, have this elite upper class that had all the benefits and had the and a worker class below them that you know didn't get to reap this. And, and this, of course, this movie with Matt Damon, Elysium, was very similar to that. You had a, a bunch of people living in, in very bad conditions on the surface of the earth, where this somehow small elite group lives on this space station orbiting earth and has all the benefits of everybody's work on the surface, but but they don't have to really put in any of that kind of nastiness and labor and everything. And I've always found that a, a little hard to, uh, this concept a little hard to swallow and believe uh, I, I guess it could happen, but I, I see as time has gone on, you know, the, through technology, through innovation, through, uh, you know, getting better at things. You know, if you look at what, you know, the average, you know, say person a, a couple hundred years ago had to do to survive and live versus what, you know, a lot of people in the world these days. I know there's a lot of people that are, you know, not as well off as some countries and some places, and I'm not going to turn this into some kind of, you know, political statement. But if you get my meaning, I mean, I mean, overall, the average life style for most people in the in the world is better than it was several hundred years ago, by far. So I have a hard time believing that in the future things would become so divided that you'd have people living way you know kind of back in in nastiness and and then an elite group that had everything you know that they could possibly want including in elysium they would you know they had this ability to cure all diseases and all that and i'm like if you've got that much tech and and ability why aren't you using it for everyone what 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 is the point is is it overpopulation is that the problem i don't i don't know but i I just have i just find that dichotomy or that that i i find that I, i think over time that will it will go the actually the opposite way that that the haves and haves not will become there will be much more of the middle of the road there's always going to be people that have more than you there's always going to be people that have less than you that that's just the way it is it's there's no real way to i don't feel fix that completely anyway but the differences between the upper level and and the lower level i think are 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 they're moving closer together there's there's a lot more people in, in in between and i think there's a lot more people that are having an okay life and an okay lifestyle so you know i'm talking of course obviously outside this this episode but so i could see on maybe a different planet it, it didn't go that way that somehow the two separated much earlier in in time and it just always stayed that way uh, but uh, it, it's just one thing and, and that I've always found a little bit odd to me, and it's it's difficult to uh, 
to believe that could that could happen. But uh, but this episode is still very good, very interesting, and we're going to continue to go through it. I think we've got the next clip uh, here for you, and this one's in a little interesting. There's sort of this little monologue in, in, in the middle-ish of the episode where Spock is up on the cloud city of Stratos, and he's sitting there kind of contemplating and thinking uh, to himself about, you know, the differences between the haves and the haves-nots and thinking about Draxine a little bit and how hot she is, you know. <laughs> so anyway, listen to this clip. This troubled planet is a place of the most violent contrasts. Those who receive the rewards are totally separated from those who shoulder the burdens. It is not a wise leadership. Here on Stratus, everything is incomparably beautiful and pleasant. The High Advisor's charming daughter, Droxine, particularly so. The name Droxine seems appropriate for her. I wonder, can she retain such purity and sweetness of mind and be aware of the life of the people on the surface of the planet? There, the harsh life in the mines is instilling the people with a bitter hatred. The young girl who led the attack against us when we beamed down was filled with the violence of desperation. If the lovely Droxine knew of the young miner's misery, I wonder how the knowledge would affect her. Yeah, I thought that that was an interesting uh, way to approach things. It's not something that they really did on the original series on Star Trek in general or or even the later series. They weren't much into this internal monologue way of telling you about what people were thinking or the story or the plot. You know, it just kind of happens organically, and, and they didn't do that a lot. But I, I, I like that. I, you know, I guess in a way that happened occasionally. The only time it ever really worked or the other times where they used it was when they did this sort of uh, captain's log or personal log, such those those things, which that kind of makes sense because of because uh, of what the you know structure of the show and being on a ship and having to sort of record your you know what's happening, what's happening, Mister Spock, what's happening, Doctor McCoy, you know m you know Captain Kirk and all. Um, but uh, the uh, you know this episode again is you know a tricky one because. I've always, you know, thought of the fact that this planet being uh, part of the Federation, that they they don't really ever mention this episode, you know, the the Prime Directive, you know, non-interference, and 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 I guess I've got always gotten the feeling that that doesn't necessarily apply the same to to a member of the Federation. They can kind of mess around, and they, they don't really bring it up ever, uh, you know, mess around in another planet to a degree. Uh, and I and I think there's certain rules and regulations that to be part of the Federation that you you have to sort of abide by to a degree, and and one is to help other members of the Federation. One I think another one would be, you know, you can't be like uh, you know basically having slave labor more or less. So uh, it's kind of uh, it, it, you know understandable that they they get involved here. Uh, let's see. Next clip we've got is what do I have this one labeled as? This is Vala or Vana. I, I, I keep wanting to call her Vala from uh, Stargate, but anyway, her name is Va Vana. Vana? <laughs> Vana White? Uh, Vana. And uh, she's the, uh, the leader of the Trog. Let me get it right here. The Troglites. Yes. Not Troglodytes. <laughs> the Troglites. 
Anyway, Shivana is, uh, she shows up on Stratos, kind of jumps in with Kirk, you know, they struggle a little, and then she's sort of caught, and and this is, I think, after she's uh, caught. We're here to get that Xenite consignment, and that's it. Starships do not transport cargo. In times of emergency, they do anything, and believe me, this botanical plague is an emergency. Lies will not keep the troglites in the caverns, and neither will your starship. You talk like a disruptor, Val. I speak for my people. They have as much right to the clouds as the Stratus dwellers. But the Stratos is for advisors and studiers. What would troglites do here? Live in the sunlight and warmth, as everyone should. The caverns are warm. And your eyes are not accustomed to light. Just as your minds are not accustomed to logic. Unaccustomed to light and warmth. That's necessary to all humanoids. Surely you don't deny it to the troglites. The troglites are workers, Captain. Oh, surely you must be aware of that. They mine xenite for shipment, till the soil. Those things cannot be done here. In other words, they perform all the physical toil necessary to maintain stratus. That is their function in our society. But they are not allowed to share its advantages. How can they share what they do not understand? They can be taught to understand, especially in a society that prides itself in enlightenment. The complete separation of toil and leisure has given Ardana this perfectly balanced social system, Captain. Why should we change it? The surface of the planet is all... Yeah, Vanna, I think, is a, I think she does a good job here. I think it, it uh, you know, the fact that she did spend some time on Stratos gives her a perspective of the, what it's like to be on the surface versus, you know, versus up in their city. And I, and I think she knows that you know they, they're deserving of that life and then we get into we learned here shortly i think it's going to be in the next clip that the xenite and the gas that it gives off actually impedes their mental functions and abilities uh, so so the fact that the 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 troglites have not you know they 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 feel that the people that live up on stratos in the clouds that don't feel like the troglites can appreciate you know the finer things and and i found a lot of that kind of sentiment a little bit in in also in elysium you know that that uh you know oh they kind of poo poo the people that live on the on the planet on earth versus who lives up on on elysium and, and that so the you know again some similarities there the Next clip, I think we get into now where, yeah, where McCoy is going to uh, give us the ex- explanation, which this this part, I think, is a little tricky just because the Xenite, which the, it comes out in the clip that Spock explains has been used for a long time, and McCoy just now all of a sudden learns the fact that uh, the xenite, when it's being, when it's in its raw, unrefined form, gives off this gas that's not really all that good for you. I, I find that a little tricky to believe that that's never been discovered before with the technology that they have available. But you know, it kind of, I guess, has to work for the episode. Like, oh yeah, there's this thing that that messes you up. You know, unlike in David Gerald's original approach, where it was just being down on the planet, where where the life there and the denser atmosphere and everything like that and noxious gases 
just kind of affected everyone. Here, you don't really see where other other people live or what they do down on the planet. You only really get the impression that everyone works in these mines and they all get exposed to the xenite gas and things. But anyway, here's McCoy's uh, explanation about this nasty stuff. Well, I had this xenite sample sent up from the surface. Now, unsealed, it would have had detrimental effects on everybody here. Incredible. Xenite is shipped all over the galaxy. Wherever there's danger of plant bacteria, no side effects have ever been reported. There are none after it's refined, but in its raw state, it emits an odorless, invisible gas that retards the intellectual functioning of the mind and heightens the emotional. Therefore, it releases a violent reaction. And the mines are full of that gas. That's right, and the triglyphs are constantly exposed to it. Bones. The disruptors, Vana. It seems impossible. They've outwitted a highly organized scientific culture for months. As part of the staff of Stratos, Vana was removed from exposure for a long period. It is likely that without such exposure, the effect slowly wears off. Right, Spock. The other disruptors were probably removed from the exposure, too. Does the brain return to normal? According to findings, it should. Can you neutralize the gas? No, but a filter mask should remove the exposure. Find one. Meet us in the transporter room. This mask. So, yeah, it turns out that, uh, that some kind of a filtering device, a mask of some kind, you know, to filter out the air uh, will uh, be able to allow the, the troglites to, to work in the mines or someone to work in the mines and not be exposed to this, which uh, that, that's, that's good. I, I, that works for me. So then the, the next step at this point is for Kirk. He's, you know, they're still trying to get this Xenite. They're try, trying to get this thing, and they, they, you know, having this problem with the two of them, you know, the two groups working out their differences in order to do this. So Kirk decides, excuse me, he decides, you know, there, there's a scene where Vana is being, you know, when she's captured, she's being tortured, and it's some nasty stuff, really, for Star Trek in this episode. And, and Kirk beams into uh, where she's being held and gets her out of her cell and gets her back, uh, gets her freed, basically frees the prisoner, frees her from Stratos. And then he takes her down to, uh, gets her back down to the, the planet, uh, down to the surface to order to get the, the Xenite and try to convince Vana of the, uh, you know, that there's this dangerous gas and, and things that are that are affecting them down there, making them kind of violent and a little not not thinking clearly. Uh, the next clip is, I think this is with Kirk uh, talking to uh, Spock, who's back up in the Enterprise, uh, talking about him bringing Plasis down there to show him what's going on. Standing by for instructions. Hold on these coordinates. Locate the high advisor and beam him to these coordinates immediately without advanced communication. Repeat, without advanced communication. Have you got that, Spock? Instructions clear. I shall carry them out immediately. Spock out. You would seal Plasis here also? For what purpose? I'm preparing a demonstration on the effects of unbelieved gas. Yeah, so they're going to get Plasis down there, try to tell them and, and show them what's going on. Uh, give you a little bit of other background here. The, the city of Stratos uh, was um, the way it looks in the clouds there in the, in the 
look of it it was designed by matt jeffries who, who did of course the famous you know some famous things on on tos the jeffries tube was named after him uh, he did a lot of the you know some of the sketching out of a lot of different things that you see in track and and the original designs but um he drew a rough, like a rough sketch without ever drawing a final sketch and and the city that you see in the original version of this episode was just created out of foam glue hacksaw blades exacto knives <laughs> they chopped up the foam glued together put the final shapes on it finished it off wrapping the bottom with cotton and hung it from the ceiling uh, <laughs> not exactly the best special effect they've ever done uh, but it's been redone in the remastered version if you've, re- you've seen the remastered uh, either remastered versions on dvd or blu-ray uh they have uh, redone stratos so you know check that out um a lot of the, uh, you know, this this episode's got a lot of that extra stuff put in it, which is pretty cool looking. Uh, a couple other things. The, the image you see when they look out down onto the surface of, of the planet when they're up in the Cloud City and the balcony when they first arrive up there at Kirk and Spock, it's actually, uh, this is called the Hydramat Plateau. It's a dry river basin in southern Yemen. And this was taken, uh, actually this picture, it was taken by astronauts that were in the Gemini for orbital mission in 1965 uh they they also remastered this effect a little bit put some mountains in on the horizon and it's actually another a picture that astronauts had taken that they sort of blended with the other so it's uh you know cool stuff that when they use that i mean if you're an astronaut i guess you'd you'd recognize it and realize hey that's not an alien planet that's on earth but i, I it's cool that they actually were able to use some really some high up high altitude shots uh, uh, from space to give you this idea of this living up in the clouds in a, in a cloud city. Here is the re- one of the reasons now I realize that I, I, I think of this episode, I, I call it the cloud miners sometimes instead of the cloud minders. It, when James Blish, uh, who did the novelizations of a lot of, of the episodes from TOS uh, way back when, he uh, called the episode in his novelization, The Cloud Miners. I kind of think that, that title works better in a way. It makes more sense to me. But uh, anyway, all right, let's finish up the episode. The next, uh, I've got a couple clips left, I think. Yeah, the, the next one is just uh, after Plasis gets down to the mines, after Kirk, Kirk sealed them in there. Uh, one thing about that I thought when I was watching this again, and I've seen this episode, you know, many, many times, and I've always kind of thought this, they don't really seem to have any problem with their communicators and beaming in and out of the mines, which you'd expect, you know, in other episodes and other times with, with Trek, that's usually been a problem for them, you know, that they, you know, anytime they're they're underneath enough rock and stuff like that, that the transporters don't work very good, but it seems to work just fine here. But anyway, uh, the plastic gets beamed down and Kirk's being a little affected by the Xenite and the gas, uh, and, and he's like telling Plasis, dig! Dig like the troglites, you know, or whatever. So uh, I, I like this uh, this clip. So listen to this. Perhaps you need closer exposure. Fill that container. Are you suggesting that I dig Xenite? I insist. You will indeed pay for this. You too, Vala. You too, dig! Kirk here, what is it? 
Contact check, Captain. It has been over an hour since your last communication. Your orders are to stand by. I carry them out. Kirk out. Standing by, Captain. However, let me remind you, we have only five hours left. It's very unlike the Captain. Can the Xenite be affecting him? Yeah, so there, there's a little bit of a fight. Plasis and uh, Kirk eventually come to blows, and uh, Vana gets the communicator, Kirk gets Kirk's communicator, calls up the Enterprise, and, and says, they're going to kill each other, you know, get us out of here, beam us out of here, and they do, and and, and Kirk kind of settles down pretty quickly and realizes, uh, you know, he's kind of uh, been messed up by the Xenite, and uh, I think it's a little hard, even though maybe Kirk's a little weak or messed up, but the fight between Plasis and and Kirk should be should be pretty brief. I mean, I mean, Kirk should have been able to just pretty much do the you know good old Kirk karate chop on him or something. And I I think it's his crazed you know ness from the Xenite maybe that's affecting him that doesn't maybe he just wants to keep the fight going. But this old guy Plasis who probably has never you know fought anyone like this in his life who's lived up this life of of convenience and luxury up on on, on Stratos fighting you know kirk who can certainly handle himself and has shown that in the um you know a lot of trek it, it doesn't make quite make sense to me why that fight goes on like it does but eh, dramaticness i guess uh, so and then uh the last clip that i've got this one's a little bit longer than the other clips this one's a couple of minutes two or three minutes long and this just kind of wraps up the episode i think i thought it was worthwhile to play it and uh it kind of uh, sets the stage for the future. It gets the point across that the the, the troglites and the and and the people, the Stratos dwellers, are going to you know try to sit down and come to some kind of an agreement and and maybe make not so much of a have and have not society. So listen to this. Listen to the end of the Cloudminders. You could have had those filters for all the good it will do you. They will be very effective, sir. They've been severely tested, and the troglites will no longer suffer from retardation and emotional difficulties. They will all be like her, ungrateful, vindictive. Yes, our demands have just begun. Here is the Zenite, Captain. Just as I promised. Thank you, Vaughn. Stratus is so pleasant and so beautiful. I think I'm afraid to leave it. There is great beauty in the knowledge that that lies below. Only one way to really experience it. I shall go to the mines. I no longer wish to be limited to the clouds. Is your planet like this one? No. No, Vulcan is quite different. Someday I should like to visit it. Perhaps some form of mediation can be helpful in your difficulties. The Federation Bureau of Industrialization may be of aid to you. I will tolerate absolutely no interference. You will not set foot here as long as I rule. Believe me, sir, I have neither the time nor the desire to return here. Only answering your charges against me will force me back. And I shall press them. You are guilty of abduction, Captain. And you're guilty of attacking a starship commander and plotting against his life. Captain, perhaps both incidents are best forgotten. <laughs> yes, Father. 
They never happened. Mr. Advisor? Spark, let's get that Zenite delivered. I believe we only have three hours left. Two hours, 59 minutes to be exact, Captain. Kirk Enterprise. Kirk Enterprise. Mr. Scott, beam us up. Yeah, so that episode, uh, or wraps up the episode, I should say, of the Cloud Miners, or Cloud Minders. Gosh, I keep doing that. Oh, kill me. Kill me now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, it's a good episode, and, and I thought it was a timely one, uh, talking about it in relation to the fact that that Elysium movie came out. I thought that there were a lot of comparison and similarities between the two. Like I said, this isn't a very new story. The haves and have-nots is a tale that's uh, as old as time or so. But uh, a good episode. This is this is one that I always had, uh, you know, got a little bit of a kick out of. I think there's a little overacting at a few points in this episode. I, I think they, uh, they they stress things a little bit uh, too much. Uh, and uh, it was interesting to, to read about, you know, David Gerald and what his original ideas were. And he... he I think he kind of feels like they changed a little too much and kind of the episode lost something in, in, in between what his original ideas were versus um, what they want, what they ended up doing in the episode. I would have liked to have seen more of uh, the life on the surface. You know, you don't really get a lot of sense of that. You just see this slight, small group of troglites and, and Vanna or Vanna, Vanna, I should say. Ugh. And, you know, but you don't really get a sense of the, you know, are there children and the, this idea that, you know, and in, in, uh, David Gerald's original idea that he was going to have McCoy trying to treat some of the people down there and show the, the really nastiness of the conditions. You certainly see a lot more of that in, in Elysium in the movie. You get, you get a big definite sense of how bad it is to live on the surface, especially it's, it's difficult because of, you know, that the, there's a... A child that's kind of involved is is a big part of the Elysium movie, and and just this idea that you know children, it's always hard with that happens when when they're not being treated well or they you know don't have good medical care and and, and are hurting. That that's a hard thing to see and watch. And I think for a '60s TV show that might have been a little bit much, especially if they you know had shown children you know suffering on the surface in the planet uh, because of this uh, situation. So, but anyway, there you go. There's that episode of the Cloud uh, Minders, yes, from TOS season three. I'm gonna take a short break, and when I come back, we'll wrap up today's show. Tell you a little bit about what's coming up on the podcast and uh, other stuff uh, to look forward to uh, in the future. This is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, saying hello to all the listeners of Treks in Sci-Fi. 
All right, upcoming on Treks in Sci-Fi in the next couple of weeks, next few weeks. Uh, next weekend, you are going to have a, a special guest cast with Chris, Clemente, and, and Joby. They are going to be here. They're going to talk about Stephen King, which is a, a mighty big topic, guys. And I'm sure you'll do a great job, but uh, that, that's a big topic. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's done, you know, they've done, obviously, he's a huge number of books, movies, television, uh, but I'm sure you guys will do a bang up job uh, with that eight hour podcast. So thanks for that. <laughs> All right. In two weeks, uh, we're going to have uh, I'll be releasing the cast that I was recorded just yesterday that I was talking about earlier. This one is with myself, Jen and Angela from the Anomaly podcast talking about fandom and kind of the current state of that and, and related to films and uh, convention going and uh, just we had a really good time talking last night about all that so that I'm looking forward to uh, getting that to, to you in a couple of weeks and uh, and then on the 6th of October I don't have anything penciled in but we're gonna need another guest host for that weekend so uh, if anyone's got a cool idea a movie a TV show uh, you know whatever you want to cover a game gaming, whatever, just uh, let me know and I'll pencil you in for the six. You know, hey, anyone out there who's never done a podcast, give it a shot. It's not hard, really. You just need a mic, uh, get a copy, a free copy of Audacity and go to it and uh, talk about what uh, whatever you're interested in. I wanted to also cover a little bit today um, a couple things coming up at the movies. There's not a lot. You know, most of the summer big movies have kind of uh, died down now, but a couple of things I'm looking forward to. Uh, at the end of September, they're re-releasing, you know, it's a fantasy, so I'll, I feel comfortable in talking about it. They're releasing the, the Wizard of Oz, the original Wizard of Oz movie, in IMAX 3D. Now, I've, I've not made it a secret, and it's been pretty widely uh, known for a while. I'm not a really big 3D fan, but I, I might go check this out. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really curious what they could do with um, with that kind of, you know, of a film and do it in in, in 3dify it and also um you know the imax factor i wish it was just an imax i wish it just was an amazing huge screen i i, I would definitely be be there for that uh but uh and then in early october there's another movie that they've been it's been getting a lot of press a lot of previews i've been seeing for uh that uh that gravity movie will finally be out at on october 4th with uh who's in that sandra bullock right and george clooney the kind of space movie where something goes bad and there's a big accident they're floating out there and all so uh, but that's a couple things coming up in the near future so um i think uh oh the last thing i was gonna say this earlier you know there's a lot of star wars rumors going around i, I wish we'd start getting some definitive information about casting uh, a title for the movie instead of calling it episode seven uh, there's been a lot of cast things thrown around. Chloe Moretz Grace or Chloe Grace Moretz. I think that's her name. Chloe Grace. She was in Kick-Ass. She plays Hit-Girl in Kick-Ass, which Kick-Ass 2 was a lot of fun. Anyway, the late, she was the latest casting rumor that she was going to be in the movie, which I could see her definitely be, uh, you know, one of the children of either, you know, Han and Leia or maybe of Luke, perhaps. Uh, I'd love to see her do some of that because she's she does great job in in the Kick-Ass film. She she can definitely do action. She's a good actress, so I'd really like to see her in Star Wars. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Uh, and then there was a title being tossed around called a new a new dawn. That was the the, the rumor. 
Uh, I kind of like a New Republic better myself, but uh, that's just me. So, all right, that's it for Treks and Sci-Fi. Kind of a tighter, brief, briefer maybe than than we've had some shows recently. Uh, or, or, you know, they vary all over. Sometimes we get them an hour. Sometimes they're a little less. Sometimes they're a lot more. Uh, but uh, that's the way it is. So uh, this, uh, this concludes your podcast for Treks and Sci-Fi for this week. I hope you've enjoyed. I don't know what voice that is. I got to get out of here and get some tea. All right, everyone, take care. I will. I'll be back with a couple in a couple of weeks with uh, Jen and Angela for that show. Next week again, you've got uh, Chris and Joby and Stephen King. So uh, take care until then. Bye bye. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production.